So open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. And I'm going to point you to some verses I want you to read with me. I'm not going to read a bunch, just a few. Verse 18, it says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. He just kind of hits it quick. He doesn't do a whole teaching on alcohol, on abuse, and on that. He doesn't do a whole teaching on it. We did. We did like two of them. You can go back in the archives and listen to them. But he uses that as a contrast. He says, but, he's excited. Instead of being a dour, sour kind of a guy, he's using it as a contrast, saying, but what I want you to do, instead of looking to and leaning on the things of the world, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the power source, the purpose, the focus, the ability to do what you cannot do for yourself. Did you know that when you're looking to the bottle or you fill in the blank, any other thing, you're looking to something that can do something that you cannot do for yourself? Some alleviation, some experience, some ecstasy, some, some thing, some power. You're looking to something. We all look to something, don't we? And he says, okay, when you do, look to the Spirit. How about that? And then he goes on to describe the Spirit-filled life. What's it look like? What is a person who's tapped into God, who loves God? And don't raise your hand. I'll raise it for you. Do you love God? I'll just raise your hand. Okay, you love God. You're here. I said don't raise your hand. <laughs> I love God. Cool. How's that look? What does love look like? Is love a noun or a verb? You tell me. It's a verb. Everyone's like, I didn't even know it was a word. <laughs> it's, a, it's a verb. Okay, it's an action. It's something you do, not something you feel. It's something, it's, a, it's actually a verb. It's, and so he says, okay, if you love God, you will love people. If you love God, you will love heaven. If you love God, you will love the word. If you love God, you'll be filled with the spirit. And he'll look all these ways and he gives us then the rest of this chapter and into the next chapter, what it means to be filled with the spirit. And we studied this out for weeks. He said, the spirit-filled person will be joyful. Okay, they're just going to be happy. And so the next time you're not joyful, what are you full of? Okay, where's, what are you full of? I'm not joyful. I'm, you know, you fill it in. And then post it on Facebook and we'll pray for you. You know, be filled. He said the spirit-filled person is not just joyful, but they're thankful. Man, do you have anything to be thankful for? Here's, here's the next question. Have you ever gone a whole day without being thankful? Trip out, America. We have so much to be thankful for. I mean, we are crazily blessed, and yet I'll go through a whole day just kind of just feeling like I got the short end of the stick and got the thing, and I just, you know, and reality check, reality check, spirit-filled. I'm blessed. So are you. I'm so thankful. The spirit-filled person will be joyful, thankful. They'll also be worshipful. They'll just be looking upward saying, oh, my goodness, this whole thing, life, <gasps> I get to breathe, <gasps> I get breath, it's a gift, and that breath is given to me to now worship, and everything that I do and everything that I have is a gift back to him. Not just that, but he goes into now, not just worshipful and thankful and prayerful and all these things, but he says the spirit-filled person, be filled, will also walk in harmony in the home. And last week, we studied it pretty much in depth. If you weren't here, that's a more exhaustive teaching than you're going to get today on marriage and what it looks like to be a spirit-filled wife and what it looks like to be a spirit-filled husband and what it looks like to be a spirit-filled family. To love and to live for the purpose of somebody else's good, not your own, and the glory of God, not your own. That simple. That's literally what it means. Anytime you in your life are not living for the good of others or the glory of God, chances are, and I can't be dogmatic, but I'm probably right, you've ventured outside of the walk of being filled with the Spirit. 
when you're not living for the good of others and the glory of God. Think about Jesus Christ. He's our example, our, 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 our supreme leader, our senior pastor. And he came not to seek his own will, but the Father's will. And he came not to serve himself, but to serve others and to give himself a ransom for many, Mark 10, 45. And Jesus said, this is what it looks like. You guys are going to miss it. I'll draw you a picture. I'll just go ahead and I'll kind of just jump into your scene. I'll do it for you since you're blowing it so bad. And I'll show you what it looks like. And then after I give you the example, this is the good part, I'm going to download to you the actual power source to do it. The actual power source to do it. You can't do it. He can. I think I'll let him. That's the three-step dance of a Christian. I can't do it. Ooh, that's a good step. He can do it. Ooh, good step. I think I'll let him, where you then co-op with the power of the Holy Spirit, and he fills you, and you become joyful, and you become thankful. And have you noticed that when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you leak? Anybody else out there leak? I mean, straight up, like, I can't feel it, but what happened? You know, I'm broken. Yeah, you are broken. I just leak. Yeah, you leak. And you need to be refilled. Whenever you go to Taco Bell, one of the best parts about Taco Bell is when you get a soda and you buy it. You know what you get with that soda? Free refills, okay? All day long, all day long. I don't do that, but you, can, you could if you wanted. And you get free refills. And I get frustrated and I get confused and I get challenged when I find myself sour and dour and in no power and all the rest. And the Lord says, yeah, you're just, you just stepped out. It's not that hard to do the one, two, three dance again. You can't which is really hard to do sometimes, especially as men, maybe women too, I don't, I don't know. But to come to that point, I can't, he can. Pfft, I think I'll let him. I think I'll let him. And you come back under the spout where the blessings come out. And just so you know, the, the spout where the blessings come out, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews chapter 13. He's pouring out himself. And he's good. And he's not running out. And he's got more to go. And when you don't feel that spout where the blessings come out, it's not because he's, oh, don't like you, you know? It's, you know, oh, you don't deserve it anymore. Anymore, did I ever deserve? No, no, it's not because he changes. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You and I, however, we change all day long. We're in, we're out, we're up, we're down, we're good, we're bad, we're messed up, we're not messed up, you're messed up, we're both messed up. Now we're all messed up. And the whole thing is just, and the challenge for you and I is to continue to humble ourselves by saying, I can't. He can. I think I'll let him. And he gets very practical in today's teaching and oh, very practical in the harmony of the home, what it looks like to be a husband or, or a man who would come under the guidance and leadership of the Holy Spirit and live not for his own self-interest, but for the interest of his wife and for the glory of God. And for the wife, that she would come under the inspiration and the power of the Holy Spirit and not live for her own self-interest, which is so natural to men and women, but instead to follow the spirit-filled harmony of the home and to say, I'm gonna live for the good of my husband, for my kids, and for the glory of God. And God says, love's a verb, it's a demonstration. I'm actually going to just trip out. I'm gonna show the world what heaven looks like. And me and you as Christians were like, yeah, give it to him. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. I'm going to show the world what heaven looks like by invading homes with my spirit. And I'm going to live in your home in the harmony and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then your home will be heaven on earth. And we're like, I don't think it's working that way. You know, I, I hear you, but I don't. And that's the intention. That's what God would have. He'd say, I want to do this. Yet how many homes are not so heavenly? 
individuals. How, how often do you just look at God and say, man, I'm so glad this isn't about me. And God would look to you and say, well, here's the deal. You're my hands. You're my feet. You're my lips. You're my body. You're my Greek word, Marteo, witness in the book of Acts. You're it. You're my demonstration. And I think God would have done so much better had he like went to a temp agency in heaven and hired some like unemployed angels, you know, just get some angels that aren't doing anything and they'll just kill it. They don't know what to do. But instead to make God more magnificent, he says, no, I'm going to use a bunch of broken people. I'm going to use a bunch of people that don't deserve it. They'll never deserve it. I'm going to use a bunch of people that won't even get it. But some people who will humble themselves on the daily and on the hourly and on the momently and will you let me overwhelm them and be to the earth a witness, a demonstration. God demonstrates heaven on earth. I love lightning storms, and I love things of, you know, acts of God and big stuff and shooting stars. How many of you guys have ever said, Lord, give me a shooting star just to show me you exist? <laughs> and the Lord up in heaven is like, really? That's going to do it. Not everything else. Not the stars that exist, but one that's shooting. Oh, right. Right. And he doesn't give you one because he's already given them to you. And we say, Lord, prove that you exist, that you're good, that you're powerful through this, that, and the other. And he says, you know what? Read the book. I'm going to prove that I'm good through you and your life submitted to me, which is a miracle. You and your life submitted to the good of others, which is a miracle. You and your life submitted to the glory of God, which is a miracle. And when people see you living this way, they are going to trip out, shake their head, and want what you have. It's going to be a appealing to them that is if you find yourself reading the book and realizing this is what i want i don't want to be filled with the things of the world but i do want to be filled with the spirit and he goes on and gives husbands and wives their clear directives look at verse 22 he says wives then submit to your own husbands as to the lord he says in verse 25 husbands love your wives just as christ also loved the church and gave himself for her he summarizes it in verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself. He's talking to the dudes. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. He's talking to the wives. And he summarizes this, not just being joyful and being faithful and worshipful and thankful, but being harmonious and submitted to one another's good for God's glory. It's so simple. He goes on to say in verse 1 of chapter 6, because there's no chapter break in the original, he's giving the instructions to his kiddos, husbands and wives. Look at verse one. Children. Any children here today? Yeah, you picked a good day to go to church. <laughs> children. Obey your parents in the Lord. All the parents are underlining and highlighting and doing Greek studies. This is so good. This is so good. I wish I knew this. You know, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He goes on in verse two and three. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. He's quoting out of Deuteronomy, verse three. Here's why. That it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. We'll talk about that hopefully today. We'll get to it. In verse four, he says, and you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. He's just, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, giving directions so we would do this thing right. So we would, listen, navigate life with the power, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and be able to do what you cannot do. Remember last week I taught you that the Holy Spirit's power is to allow you and enable you to do two things. That which you can't do, you just can't. You're not able to do it. Impossible. 
Ah, Holy Spirit comes in. Now everything's possible. And also the Holy Spirit anoints you to not just do what's impossible, but what's maybe you don't want to do. I don't want to do this. I, I just, I want to walk in selfishness. I want to walk in smallness. I want to walk in rebellion. Have you ever, do not raise your hand. Have you ever wanted to just walk in smallness, selfishness, and rebellion? Like you just had that day and it led to a week and then a decade went by and you know, then they let you out. Yeah, you know, yeah, we've all done that. And the power of the Holy Spirit says, okay, I'm gonna empower you to do the impossible. Stuff that you'll read and be like, can't do that. It's impossible. Some of the children here today, or maybe you're looking at your kids saying, man, my kid won't obey me. I got crazy kids in here. I got crazy kids. There was what? Holy Spirit. Your kids need the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you're a parent here, a father. Father, do not provoke your children to wrath, but, 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 but raise them up. It, it, teach them and guide them and lead them. And you're thinking, it's too late. I've already blown it, or I'm too intimidated. I don't know how to do this, or I don't know enough. And look, the power of the Holy Spirit is given to you and to me to just live our lives whether you're male or female, mom or dad, a kid, a husband or a wife, a single or a married, it doesn't matter. God says, hey, you're heaven on earth. Deal with it. And so we turn to the bottle. He says, no, no, don't, be, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Be filled. That's that. We, we turn to something else. Okay, I better well, be filled. It's really simple. I hope you're getting this. I actually intend to overteach this and to, to linger long, and last night I actually put down my, my sermon together last night. I've been very busy, had a very busy week, and I didn't have a chance to get to uh, putting this together until last night when I was done, about 11.30 at night. I looked at my wife, I said, that didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. <laughs> nothing, nothing ended up the, thought it, the way I thought it was going to go, and so this is the way it's going to go, so I apologize in advance. Sorry, not sorry. Let's pray and ask God to bless this time as we study it, this simple teaching. Father, in Jesus' name now, we're here, and we desire most of all that you would be glorified and that the people around us would be ministered to. That's the whole thing. You've asked us to be the hands and the feet, the ministers, the witnesses, the demonstration of heaven on earth. And some of us are sitting here today waiting for other people to do it. Some of us are sitting here today ignoring your principles and not wanting to do it. And some of us here today need your Holy Spirit to both allow us to do that which we can't do, and we've believed a lie. Can't do it, just can't do it. And I pray against that in Jesus' name. And there are other people sitting here today that don't want to do it. They just maybe want to go to heaven. Maybe that's all they're worried about. I just don't want to go to hell. That's a real important thing to me. That's why I'm at church, and that's part of it. it Jesus, we submit this to you. I pray for myself. And I ask, Lord, that you would use me. This is Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. The church is gathered here. Your, your book is being preached. Your spirit is here to minister and to equip. And so we fully look to the filling of the Holy Spirit for this time together, that it would be fruitful, would not return void, but would accomplish all that you have set it out to do. And may we leave here different today. Every man, every woman, every child. May we leave here differently today because of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. I'll tell you what, I, I spent all week in Yakima. I drove up there on Sunday. I actually taught two services, just like I'm doing today, and I went home and gave each one of my kids a kiss and gave my wife a kiss and got in the car and drove six and a half, might have took seven hours driving after two services, got to Yakima and got, got in my room, went to bed and woke up the next day and taught uh, students at the Antioch Christian Training School, uh, three or four, five, six, sometimes eight chapters a day out of the book of Acts every single day until the final day, which was yet Friday, Friday when I finally finished at two in the afternoon and got in my car and drove 
drove another seven hours home and got home. And then yesterday was pitcher day at soccer. I got three soccer teams that I'm a part of. I got three kids, and that's just the way it works out. And so I was at three different soccer games, three different soccer pitchers, and at the field for five hours. Soccer. Not playing. Not just soccer. You know, and I was there. And, and I'll tell you what, though. Back it up to the week spent in Yakima. Going through the book of Acts. Instructing these kids in the theme. When you read a whole book in that kind of way and study it out, 28 chapters, it's a 45-year period of history, and you just, whoa, and it comes alive. As a matter of fact, one particular guy pulled me aside and he said, before this week, I used to read portions of Acts and read the book of Acts, and it was so boring. I said, I get it. I get it, but now you'll never be the same. You'll see it, and you'll be like, oh, this makes sense. And the whole, here's the deal. The book of Acts is really what we're doing today. It's the same thing. In the book of Acts, Jesus died and he was rose from the dead and for 40 days he lived on the earth and then on the 40th days he said, peace out, I'm gone, and he left and he ascended into heaven. But he gave them instruction. He said, but wait for the power of the Holy Spirit and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's your part. I'm done, I've saved the world, I'm going to heaven now. <sighs> I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. Why? To do battle, you know, to, to walk on waters. You know, to do, he's, and he specifically said, it's to be a witness, to be a demonstration, to show the world that I'm real. You ever, you ever bought a shirt that said Jesus is real? I own like 20 of them. And it's cool to wear a shirt that says Jesus is real. That kind of gets the point across that like, Jesus is real. Okay, I get it. But how much more so a life lived for Christ? A legacy lived for Jesus, an understanding of faith born out of preaching from God's word and reception of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to you when you are reborn. If you haven't been reborn yet, reborn, regenerated, a new mind and a new, a new heart, you need one today, okay? Ask the Lord to give you a new mind and a new heart, to forgive you of your sins, to take your life from you and to give his life to you. It's a great exchange. And then all of a sudden, life becomes spirit-filled. And all of a sudden, you get to live on purpose, and you get to die in peace, and you get to live forever. And the Holy Spirit is given to us when we are reborn, when we give our lives to the Lord. I'll just ask you this question. Do you remember when you gave your life to the Lord? Remember that? Do you remember? I mean, everything changes. When you really surrender, and you say, Lord, you take the wheel. Take the wheel. Don't just take my sin. That's kind of easy. Lord, you want to take the trash out for me? I appreciate that, you know? How hard is that? What about when you gave him your life? Not just your sin for his righteousness. Okay, that's Sunday school stuff. That's easy. But when you give him your life and you say, all right, straight up, I'm a bond servant now. That is, I've been set free, but I choose to serve you. I'm not going to hell anymore. I was destined for hell, and I'm not anymore. And now I get to live on purpose on earth for heaven. And it's a whole different deal. And the Holy Spirit is given to those who understand this. And man, I'll tell you what, you don't just get saved from hell but you get to live for him while you're here. And in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, he says, here's how, you, how it looks. It's real serious. It's real epic. It's real necessary. Matter of fact, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, okay, from jail when he was in Rome. He'd spent two years, more than that, in Ephesus with the church there, and now he's in jail, and he's like, I think I'll write them a letter. When you're in jail, usually you want people to write you letters. That's just the way it works. You're like, I'm, sorry, I'm in jail. <laughs> and he was there, and he's like, I'm going to write them a letter. So that way they do life well. And he writes the church at Ephesus so that way they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, knowing that if they tried to do it any other way, it wouldn't work. I'm so glad you're here today. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would be provoked, that you would be stirred, that you would be maybe even concerned with your life. Am I doing it right? 
Am I even saved? Are my sins forgiven? You better figure that one out today, okay? Get your sins forgiven. But is my life reserved and lived for Christ? Am I really concerned about others' good and his glory? Or am I concerned about my good and my glory? That's the big switch. That's the big exchange. You need the power. You can't do it. You need the power to do it. And he's given it to you. One time I lived in Ashland uh, for many, many winters, 13 years actually, and I borrowed my friend's car. It was a truck actually. And I went to Blockbuster Video and Papa Murphy's, and I was by myself, and I, I pulled in on a slant and I parked, and it was about January, if you would, and icy, and I parked, and I went and got my stuff and got in the car and put it in reverse, and <laughs> tires spinning. <laughs> you know, the ice everywhere. And I couldn't get this, just a small slant, big truck. You ever been there before? And I just, the more I gassed it, the more, I even took cardboard out and the, the rugs underneath the carpet, you know, the thing, the floor mats. And I put those underneath and I was like, oh, that was so weird, you know, spitting stuff out. And I'm just sitting there looking at it. And this girl walks by, this woman, this lady on her way to Blockbuster Video also. She looks at me and looks at the truck and she says, put it in four wheel drive. Walks in and gets her, you know, stuff. And I just looked at her, and it wasn't my truck. And I looked at, I just looked back and forth, and I was like, you know, are you, it does it, oh, it, you know, and I got in, and underneath this hat on the floorboard right there, I pulled this hat off, and there was another stick shift, one that had been hidden this whole time, the four wheel drive stick shift. And I put it in four wheel drive, okay? And not, not only did it back up with ease, okay? <laughs> ease and power then the whole i took it the long way home you know what i'm saying and i found roads in ashland that had fresh snow and i was like yeah all of a sudden not i wasn't just trying to get home with you know care the whole journey became filled with power and joy really it did if you're a, a guy or a gal who's ever been behind a four-wheel drive vehicle in fresh snow oh, it's fun you don't even have to go anywhere. Like, I'm going to go somewhere, you know? Got an errand, I'll make one up. <sighs> Listen, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, it's the same way. Your life, all of a sudden, when you surrender to him, becomes full of joy and power that you had not had before. And you try and do it on your own, and it doesn't work, and you even use your attempts. Maybe some cardboard under the wheel will work, you know? And you use, God says to you, look, you're not going to hell anymore. Did you settle that one? Oh, so good, good. Good. Here's the problem. Most Christians, especially in America, we settle that one. We look at verses. I, for a fact, know I'm not going to hell. I've done the research, okay? Said the prayers. I've talked to counselors and wizards. I've read the Bible. I know it. I'm, oh, oh, I got that. Now I could easily, though, be still stuck in my driveway with the ice and not in four-wheel drive. I could still easily be having my wheels spinning in life. And maybe in your marriage, your wheels are spinning. Or maybe in your parenting, your wheels are spinning. Or maybe in your relationships, your wheels are spinning. And the Lord would say, you need to put it in four-wheel drive, bro. Just, you're, not, you're not engaged with what God has for you. And I'm not here to judge anyone. I'm here to stir you up, okay? Because the question I would ask is, are you walking right now with great power and joy in everything you do? And I'm right there with you, okay? I gotta, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a man with a skin suit on. I'm right here. I know, I know life. It's tough. It's difficult. And not every day would be necessarily chalked up to being joy-filled and powerful in my life either. But I'm just asking you these questions to stir you up and say, what am I, maybe, I'm not going to hell. Like that's, again, you're, you're no dummy, okay? But what if you got that answered right, but you weren't as concerned with, because how important is it not to go to hell? You know, it's kind of like going to the airport on a trip without your passport. You know, maybe worse. It's, it's bad. It's like the big E on the chart. Like, what is that? Uh, an E. Good, good. It's like the first one you're going to go through. Really important. Don't go to hell when you die. Don't do it. 
And you, you establish that, you figure that out. But how important is it to you that we are filled with the Holy Spirit? And again, I have done the research to make sure that I've not put myself in position to be excluded from heaven, but have I done the same work and energy to be filled with the Spirit? And to even read the scriptures which instruct us what it looks like to be spirit-filled. Because doesn't, let's just be honest, doesn't verse 18 be filled with the Holy Spirit? What if that's what he stopped with? You're like, okay, is that a Taco Bell in the refill? Is that how, where does this look? But instead he gives us much illustration. He says, here's how it looks. Lest you miss it, lest you misunderstand it. Because God wants to display through you and me, like he did the first church, the early church, this church in Acts chapter 1, verses 8, what it means to demonstrate what it looks like to walk in the Spirit, to demonstrate heaven. And God, what if, do you realize that God not only wants to take you to heaven and get you out of hell, but he's left you here on purpose until you're done? That wouldn't have been my plan. I would have been like, everyone who gets saved gets relieved immediately. You know, like, I love you, Jesus. I'm dead. You know, like, yeah, that's my plan. God's like, cool. Not going to hell. Boom, my Holy Spirit. What do I need this for? To love the people around you. What? That's part of the deal? To love the people around you and to live for their good and my glory. And God then gives to you the years allotted to you, the good works preordained for you to walk in, the ministry, the mantle, the makeup. Whoever you are and however you look today, God said, that's going to be perfect. I will fill that. I will use that. That is perfect. That body, that person, surrender to me, will be used to display heaven. And you might think, yeah, I want to display heaven. What do we do first? What do we do first? Walk on water? Walk on some water? What are we going to do? Get the power of the Holy Spirit and maybe break some bread and feed the multitudes and do some heavenly stuff? Jesus did all that. But in the last night of his life, to demonstrate Everyone say demonstrate, demonstrate. to show, because yeah. a picture's worth a thousand words. He had done all those things, but to, before he died, having known that all things were given into him, he had full confidence. He's like, just one, this whole thing's legit. With that in mind, he has delivered us from hell, and he's about to pay for the price. He said, let me show you what heaven looks like, and so he put on a robe, a, a, a servant's robe. What? Okay, servant's robes are for servants. Not in heaven, not in heaven. The greatest amongst us is the servant of all. And Jesus, I'll show you what it looks like. Put on a servant robe. And then he got down on his hands and knees and he began to minister to each of the 12 disciples, washing their dirty feet. Why would he do that? For two reasons. Number one, to demonstrate what heaven looked like. And number two, because the disciples needed it done. You realize that up until that point, eating in that way that their feet hadn't yet been washed, it's a cultural norm that we're not aware of, but they actually had a deep need within them. And when God says to you, I'm going to give you the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be filled, okay, to love as a spouse, to love as a husband or a wife or a kid or a father or a mother or a single, to be you, it's, to, it's so important. It's to show what heaven looks like. Well, I thought you were going to do that through shooting stars and stuff. It's like, no, I'm going to do it through you. See, God's already given all the stars and all the creation and everything else around us. He's given all that. Psalm 19 says all of that is to display heaven. And you know what the secular world has done with all of that? They've chalked it up to nothing. And they haven't given him the glory. They worship the creation rather than the creator. And so God said, I knew that would happen. So lest, lest the world be without excuse, I've given to them the church. And it is for heaven's sake that you are filled. And it is for the people around you that you serve. 
This will change everything because you and I read God's book and we're like, well, I don't know if I really want to do that. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. We read this book and say, I don't know if I can do that. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. And the Holy Spirit changes your mind, he changes your heart, and he changes your ability. And you can then love your wife unconditionally as a husband. And you can respect and submit to your husband unconditionally as a wife. And you can raise up your kiddos to love the Lord and to have a long life. And if you're a kiddo and you want to honor your parents, you can do so with the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can do all of these things that he instructs us to do as a demonstration. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was done washing feet to, to display heaven and to meet their needs, he then said, go and do likewise. It would have made so much sense had Jesus stood up and said, now do the same to me. Just be, be, be super religious and zealous towards me. Wash my feet. They're dirty. They were. But instead, Jesus instructing you said, I, I've done it to you. You're clean. You're, you're now fresh. You're saved, not going to hell. Praise God. You're now filled. You're ready. You're washed. Now go find other people that need the same ministry. That is an example of heaven and ministry to themselves. And you would object. Well, they don't, they don't deserve it all the time. And Jesus says, John 13, did you see the guys that I just did it to? Did you notice those lokes? Did you notice the homies? They're all going to leave me within hours, okay? They're all going to betray me. Some will deny me. One will actually be on the committee to murder me. And it didn't stop me from loving them unconditionally, sacrificially, completely. To, why? Because they needed it. Do you know that when God calls you as wives and God calls you as husbands to love your wife and to respect your husband, and to minister to them, that they actually need that. God made them with this deep-seated need that you are to fill with the Holy Spirit's power. And the world around us needs to see it in action. The world around us needs to see heaven displayed in this spirit-filled way. And when Satan attacks the harmony of the home, let's just ask a question. Has Satan attacked the harmony of the home? Is the home, the, 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 the recipe that God's given, is it under attack on all fronts? Every single husbands and wives, and I'm not going to step on too many toes. It just gets out of control. The world today is rewording and redefining all things that God has said. This is how it works. And how important it is today that you today just, you, you, you submit to the Lord. You say, yep, I'll do it. I can't, you can't, I think I'll let you. I can't, you can't, I think I'll let you. And it comes from an attitude of submission to Jesus Christ and his word. When Jesus stood up after washing the disciples' feet, he told them they wouldn't do it yet. They wouldn't do it. I've done this as an example. Now go do and likewise. John 13, 35. The world will know that you're legit and that I'm legit by your love one for another. Peter had a sword under his arm at the time. He's like, I'll show him love. You know? And a few moments later, he pulls out his sword and tries to cut Malchus's head off. And Jesus is like, bro. Did you not pay attention? <laughs> you know, look at your feet, they're clean. You should clean Malchus's feet. Oh, I can't do that. Malchus is a Roman. I know, I know, and you should. And when you do, I'll equip you, I'll anoint you. And the world around will say, No way, no way. You washed a Roman's feet, you, you ministered to somebody who didn't deserve it. You stayed in, in, in a marriage that was super difficult. You ministered to your kiddos when they were so rebellious. You gave and gave and gave and served and served and served and got mud on yourself as a servant and had to put the apron on really and the world will have to sit back and not because of shooting stars and signs and wonders they'll look at you and say that's got to be real that's got to be legit and when the church is filled with the spirit and when homes are filled with the harmony of the spirit 
Not only does God get the right rec- representation down here, but the practicalities of it, just get this part too if you need more. The practicalities are is the people around you will get what they need. The husband and the wife will get exactly what they need from the person they're supposed to get it from, love and respect. And the kids will get that admonition in the Lord and that raising, and, and the whole church will grow. And it's what God has already ordained to not only demonstrate, but to give. And here's the deal. 1 Corinthians 13 says that if you are super smart, and you can super teach, and you know all things, and you can super prophesy, and you can super give, and you're super this, and you're super that, unfortunately, if you don't have love, and love is a verb, we already established that, if you don't have love, it's not seen at home. This is where the rubber meets the road, at home. The harmony of the home, if it's not there, you need to go home and start again. You need to go back to where the heart is. When Jesus told the disciples, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, I always summarize Jerusalem as being home. That's where it started for them, the the nearest location, the nearest proximity to their dwelling place. And I often want to learn theological truths and walk in spiritual powers and, and go to Yakima and preach it up there. Or I want to know it and go to downtown Newport, wherever downtown Newport is, and, you know, be a minister to the people here or maybe come to South Beach Church. And God says, that's awesome, Luke. How's the home? How's the home doing? The Holy Spirit, it starts there. The witness, the demonstration, the love, nothing, all of the other stuff is not even worth anything unless it's working at home. It's been said before, if your Christianity or your theology doesn't work at home, it doesn't work. That's the grounds. That's the testing area. And I hope you're being provoked and stirred and challenged today, maybe to answer the first question, are you going to hell or heaven? Like, figure that out. Like, oh, I'm going to heaven. Woo! Okay, cool. How are you living until then? Are you living like you're on the J train going to heaven? Like when people are walking on the airplane, you look at the people in the first class, you're like, wow, they're in first class. I just, I can tell. They're, I know where they're seated, where they're going. They're, this is that crew. And when people look at you, do they tell? Can they know? Do they discern? Do they experience heaven on earth when they meet you? And the way that happens is by living for the good of somebody else to demonstrate heaven on earth. And that's why he asked wives to submit to their husbands. Why? Is it because the husbands... Uh, in our homes are the easiest and the greatest uh, to submit to? Is that why he did it? No. Uh, that's, that's, he, he asked wives in order to demonstrate to the world what a spirit-filled wife looks like. And that's why God commanded husbands to love their wives like Jesus did the church. Why? Is it because wives are so lovable? Mine is. I don't know about yours. <laughs> is that why he said it? Hey, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Why would he say that? Because if he didn't, we wouldn't, okay? Why did he say it? So that way we would, and when we do, heaven will be demonstrated. Did he ask you to love your wife unconditionally, sacrificially, to the end? Servant leadership, servant leadership, just like Jesus did. Servant leadership. Jesus was the head, the leader, but he served and made sure everything was fine and lived and died for his bride. Servant leadership. Did he ask husbands to do that because their wives are so easily lovable in that way? No, he did it to demonstrate what a spirit-filled husband looks like, one who does what Jesus did. And our culture's nuts. Our culture says, you give to me and I'll give to you. You stop giving to me and I'll stop giving to you, okay? It's the law of reciprocal affection. Sounds smart there for a second, don't I? You make me happy, I make you happy. You stop making me happy, train's off the track, okay? Jesus didn't show a life that way. Jesus lived completely opposite. Jesus grabbed a bunch of ragtag gangsters 
said, be my disciples. And these guys were nuts, knuckleheads the whole time. And he committed himself to them to demonstrate what heaven looked like as an example. So we would know how to then look in our homes as well. And he doesn't command us to do it because it's easy or because they deserve it, but because it demonstrates heaven and because they need it. Our husbands and our wives and our homes both need this mutual service. Matter of fact, look at verse 33. He just summarizes it here. He says, nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Just two rules. That's it. In the home for husbands and wives, two rules. That's it. One for the husband, one for the wife. Me. I'm just, read it. It's me. One rule each. And we're looking for like the appendix. Well, there's got to be something else in here. There's got to be more than that. And you can read for the rest of your life a book a day on marriage. And there will be another book for you the next day. Okay? You can Google and find authors and conferences. You can go to a conference every weekend somewhere for the rest of your life on marriage. Okay? You can listen to what Dr. Oz has to say or Dr. Phil or Oprah. or You can find thousands of resources and counsels and counselors. You can find hundreds of resources of marriage material. <laughs> he gives two rules. Okay? One, one for each that are impossible to do apart from the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's in the category of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit equips you to do what you can't do and what you don't want to do. You can do both of these things. Husbands can love their wives unconditionally and sacrificially, servant leadership, and they can make their wives feel loved. Okay? You know that loving somebody and making somebody feel loved is like two separate worlds? <sighs> two separate languages, we'll talk about that. And, and that a wife can respect and submit to her husband as unto the Lord. And she can trust the Lord and the Lord in his sovereignty will lead that family through that husband, through that wife, through their mutual equality and yet different submission to each other's roles. Two, just two rules. And I would say this, every spiritual problem and every marital problem in the world, in the history of the world, both marital and spiritual, you might see the two as different, I see them as synonymous, Every spiritual problem, issue, hang up, thing, and every marital issue and spiritual issue is hinged upon walking in the spirit in these two rules for husbands and wives. It all boils right back down to here. Did you, did you do rule number one? You know? Well, oh, sorry, you know? Rule number one for the husband, rule number one for the wife. If you do these things, it, it, you're arguing with God at this point if you don't. Okay? You're arguing with God. Well, I think this, and I heard from Dr. That, and I, you know, like Dr. Seuss, and, you know, whatever. <laughs> Bible lays it out, one for each. He says to the husbands, he says, demonstrate God's power, okay, the power. Be filled by loving your wife for her best interest, and so the admonition is to love her. And he says to the wives, demonstrate God's power. You want to show what power looks like? Yeah, I'm going to walk on water. How about you submit to, a, 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 to your husband? That's just as hard, by the way, as walking on water, submitting to your husband for, for why? For his best interest and for God's glory. And so the commands are, love her, husbands. Love her. This is, your, this, is your old, this is your number one rule. Love her and everything else will come into play. Pursue her, care for her, serve her, and everything else will be taken care of. I, it just, I guarantee you. And to the wives, respect him. Submit to him. Cheer him on. Trust him. And all of the other issues will come around full circle and be dealt with when these two rules are obeyed walking in the Holy Spirit. 
I'm just going to chase this rabbit until we catch it, okay? We're going to rabbit for dinner. We're going to go down and just catch this one. Before we get into spirit-filled parenting, don't miss next week. We won't get too far. We probably won't get into verse 1 of chapter 6 at all at this point. Okay, here's the problem. He, he says, love your wives and respect your husbands. Do they deserve it? No, they don't. They don't deserve it. They're sinners. Okay? When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, did they deserve God Almighty? Did they deserve it? No. As a matter of fact, Jesus waited till the end of supper. Somebody should have washed everyone's feet. Nobody washed anyone's feet. Jesus washed all of their feet. He waited. We'll just see if somebody else does it. To see, to, as an example. They did not deserve it. When you ask this question as a married person, does my wife deserve for me to love her in this way? The way I feel that I've been mistreated and misrespected and disrespected, do I, does she deserve it? Wrong question. It's the wrong question. It's not a matter of do they deserve it. Here's the question. This might set you free. Does your spouse not deserve your rule towards them, but does your spouse need it? Does your spouse need, does your wife need to be loved and cherished and cared for and pursued and held in esteem and take, uh, does she need that? I'll just answer for you, okay? Yes. And does your husband, does he need to be respected? Does he need to be loved and cared for and looked to? Does he need that? I'm not even saying right now that that's absolutely right. I'm asking you if he needs it. And if you're smart here, you'll say, yeah, he does. I got to figure this out. He needs to be respected. He need, he's, it's something inside of him. Here's the problem. If husbands, you don't love your wives, she'll find it elsewhere. If your wife is not loved by you, she will subsidize that love somewhere else. It will happen. She'll find it in hobbies. Nothing wrong with hobbies unless they're a replacement. She'll find it in, in books or in novels or go into these caves or she'll go into you name it. You name it. Where will your wife find love if you don't give it to her? You don't, know why, you don't even want to know. Daytime soap operas. Do they even have those still? <sighs> Illicit relationships, emotional affairs, flirting. There's a thousand ways to do it nowadays, okay? Even more pervasive now that the internet and technology. Have you ever seen and been around an unloved woman? Have you ever been around a loved woman? The difference is astonishing. God has asked husbands to love their wives, to cherish them, because it's what they need. God made them with that need, and they will find that need. Satan will somehow fill that need if they don't get it from the source that it was asked to be provided from. Husbands. Husbands need to be respected, and if a husband doesn't get respect from his wife, and let's just be honest, I'd be the first to admit that these words are super like PC, weird, like politically correct, like submit and respect. This is like, it's even hard to just say because our culture has done such a good job of twisting and perverting these ideas. And yet God has made every man here in his image the same, to be revered and respected as that man then responds with love and service and commitment. We love and respect and honor our God in heaven, don't we? I have no problem doing that, Okay. Why? Because he loved me this much, and he stretched his arms out on the cross and died for me. And I have no problem saying, you're it. You're it. I respect you. I love you. I trust you. What do you want? Thy will be done, not my will. Why? Because I trust him. He says, that's how men are made. 
They're made in my image in this way. They bear my likeness. The problem is, and the scary part is, if a father or a husband doesn't get the respect he's, he needs, and I almost wish, I'm just going to say this, I'll probably regret saying this, I wish I didn't need that respect sometimes. I wish I didn't. I just wish that wasn't a problem for me. God said, I made you like me. Deal with it. And I wish I didn't have that need because that need leads me to find that respect somewhere because if you don't get that respect at home from your wife, a husband will find that respect somewhere. He'll find it in success at work. Is, 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 is being successful at work a sin? No. But if it becomes your mistress, I'm going to be successful in this hobby. I'm going to be an expert at this thing because when he doesn't even know it's happening and she doesn't know it's happening because when I pursue this and get this, I just feel ah, like I got something met that could have been met should have been met in the home in the harmony in the spirit-filled bliss and if a husband doesn't get the respect that he's made to need he's going to find it in all kinds of ways he'll find it in hobbies he'll find it in the garage you know how many husbands just go to the garage and tinker and tool because they just feel respected and safe in this environment and i'm not saying any of this is right okay i'm just saying this is how it looks Many men turn to pornography and they turn to illicit relationships because they feel this need for respect being met in false ways. It's dangerous. Our culture is under attack right now in the home. We all know it. And here the rules are laid out very simple, very simple for you and me to love and to respect. Husbands need respect. Don't like it? Take it up with God. Okay? Wives need love. Don't like it? Take it, take it up with God. And our goal as husbands and wives is to find out how to love and how to respect. So husbands, look at me. Your wife needs you to love her. She needs you to love her. It's your job. You're the only one that can do it. You're the one called to do it. You're the one equipped from the Holy Spirit to do it. Wives, look at me. Your husband needs to be respected. He needs it. And God has equipped you and gifted you to do so. To live as a demonstration. As a, to show what it looks like. Jesus did this for people who did not deserve it. He said, I'm doing this. This is going to be so radical. This is going to be so radical. This is so simple. This is so easy. Walking on water, pfft. Breaking bread, pfft. what Jesus chose to do as his last demonstration was love because it's an adjective. He didn't just provide, he loved. How many of you guys have not heard of the five love languages? Raise your hand if you've not heard of them. Then I don't need to tell you about them. The five love languages is a study, which I believe is very true, Gary Chapman wrote a book on it, about how each person, each husband and wife, speaks a different language of love. Some wives and husbands speak the love language of physical touch, they just love to be snuggled, okay? My five-year-old daughter, that's one of her love languages. Last night I got home from somewhere, and when I walked in the door, I, I, I served up food, I put the food on the table, and she just kept sitting on the couch with these crazy eyes looking at me. I've been gone for a week. She said, Dad, come sit on the couch with me. Dad, just come sit on the couch. That's what she said. She just loves to sit on the couch. Just loves to sit there and just snuggle. 
And I didn't have time to. I said, I'll do it later. It's not, you know, this is dinner time and all the rest. And I just didn't do it. I didn't have time to do it. And so I had everyone sit down, and they were all sitting there, and it was time to eat, and she wasn't eating. And I'm just still busy, 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 busy. And she pushed her spaghetti away, face splotchy. I'm not going to eat a spaghetti. I said, well, what, what, what? And I, you know, we were watching the duck game, so I was crying too. <laughs> so we were, had a cry together. And I asked her, I said, what, why won't you eat the spaghetti? Like, I gotta, I'll fix it. Does it need more, you know, salt, more butter, more something, you know? And she said, you want celery? And I said, oh. I said, well, that's, that's, not, that's not okay. I said, go sit on the couch and let's sit right now. We're going to we're gonna do this. And she, it, I, I spoke her language. My, my boys don't need that. My boys have different languages of love, different ways that they receive time. And Nemo's a physical touch guy too. He loves to wrestle and loves to, to rough it up and loves to have that time with dad. And listen, your objective, your goal is to not just say I love or I submit, but to learn how to speak that and communicate that to your husband, to your spouse, to your kids, to your loved ones, the people around you. This isn't just in a marriage. That's what he's talking about, but it's more than that. So here's your homework, okay? We're done with this. Husbands, here's your homework. You ready? Sometime today, sometime this week, sometime soon, please don't go too far, I want you to look your wife in the eye and ask her if she feels loved. Okay, here's what's going to happen next. She's going to start crying. <laughs> this is normal, okay? Just, it's normal. You didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> And if she continues to cry, just let her talk and listen to what she says, okay? And then begin to love her in a way that she feels love from you. Speak your love language. There's physical touch, not sexual touch, just physical touch. Just, you know, I like to snuggle. If that's what your wife feels, you better do it. You better put the spaghetti away and do it. You better figure it out. The other gifts are uh, words of affirmation. Some people just love to be praised for what they've done right. They just love it. Some people don't need that at all. One of the gifts is, there's five of them, one of the gifts is gifts. I just, the language is gifts. I just, when, when you give me a gift, I feel loved. Well, if that's your wife, you better figure it out, okay? Better get another credit card and do that. <laughs> I don't care. You love her the way she wants, she needs to be loved, the way she wants to be loved. It's easy to say I love her, you know. I love you, honey. Look at this new Remington shotgun I got. <laughs> it's for both of us. It's for both of us. It's, it's double-barreled. It's double-barreled. I'm going to go shoot it for us. Nope. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. One of the other gifts, just so you get this, is uh, acts of service. Some people feel just super loved when, when you serve me. You wash my car. You, you iron my clothes. You cook dinner. You go to the grocery store for the house. You pay the bills, and your, your family sees that and says, they just, he just loves me so much, whatever the, the gift is. So husbands, your homework is to find out what your wife's love language is. And like any language, it probably won't be yours, okay? And learn to speak it. Learn to speak it. If you identify your wife's love language as a certain style, okay, just like maybe Spanish isn't your native tongue, it would take some effort to learn Spanish, wouldn't it? It will take effort to learn your wife's love language and then to speak it. It won't be natural. As a matter of fact, you may even need the Holy Spirit's power. <laughs> Duh. Wives, here's your homework. Look into your husband's eyes. And I know it's not going to be easy to do. <laughs> you got to get his, get his attention, put the phone down, put the Remington down, do something like, you know, he's not gonna, he might not cry. You, you might, you know, but look him in his eyes. Instead of asking him, first tell him. Tell him, tell him you want to respect him better. 
and tell him that you do respect him and that you're thankful for who he is for you and your kids, for your family. And then ask him how he might feel more respected from you or even ask him how he feels disrespected. This will be learning. And there may be tears. I pray there is. Okay. Can I have the worship team come up? We could sail through this portion of scripture real easily. Just read it and make some jokes and move on. But I do believe we're having a problem in our culture. I don't have all the solutions. But as we're here in the word, where you're at in the word is probably where you're at in life. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're not married. You're like, wow, wish I would have skipped church. <laughs> Guess what? Maybe one day you will be married again. I guarantee you, though, you will have friends and you'll have family and you'll have kids that if you know the things of God, you know how to worship him, you know how to walk with him, you know how to counsel others, God will use you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit brings out of us the word that was planted within us. His word is truth. It's powerful. And maybe you're here today and you're, you're sitting in pain. Maybe you wish you would have heard this 20 years ago. Maybe 20 days ago. And you need to cry out to the Lord and say, God, would you allow me and would you fill me with that which I lack to do what I can't? Would you bow your heads? Father, in Jesus' name now, we thank you so much. We thank you so much, Lord, for your, your gift of your word. And each and every one of us here today need it. Whether male or female, husband or wife. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that everyone who leaves here today would have two questions answered. Number one, am I going to hell or heaven? And they would have the question answered rightly. I'm going to heaven. I am going to heaven. In Jesus' name, by his blood, I am going to heaven. They would have that question answered in Jesus' name. Answer it right now. Give your life to Jesus. Give your sin to Jesus. Receive from him his life and his righteousness right now. If that's you today, you say, I want it right now. You just say, I want it. Say it as loud as you want or as quiet you want. You say, I want it. I want it. I want it. You say it right now. Say, I want it. I want to go to heaven when I die and live for him until then. I want it. Jesus, I want it. And if you just gave your life to heaven, you'll notice something. If you gave your life to Jesus, you'll notice that you're still here. Yeah, you're still here. And the next question you need to answer then, all of us, is am I willing to be filled with the Holy Spirit to do what I can't and to do what I don't want to for a demonstration of what it looks like in heaven? Not because people deserve it or even because I understand it, but because people's feet are dirty. Because my spouse has a need built within him or her. And I'm the only one that God has commanded to meet that need. I, I, I serve and I don't be served. I'm like Jesus. I live for the betterment of somebody else. Lord, I pray that those who would take the step of doing homework. In Jesus' name, may there be miracles. May husbands, Lord, ask their wives. Do you feel loved? Because I want to love you more. I want to love you better. I want to grow in my love to you. I want to speak your language. May, may that happen, Lord, in Jesus' name. And may wives be healed. May marriages be saved. And I pray, Lord, that wives would look into their husband's eyes. And they would respect them. And they would say, I'm so thankful for you. I love you so much. And I want to serve you and I want to respect you and I want to submit to your leadership. I trust you, honey. 
Is there any way I've offended you? Is there any way I've under, undermined your authority? I'm sorry. And I pray, Jesus, that the reaction and response would be heavenly. And that husbands would stretch out their arms wide and love their spouses and love their kids and love their families and not live for themselves, not find that respect in illicit ways, but instead live to serve and to lead their families because the Bible teaches us so. May the rest of the world, whatever they choose to do, may they see the signs and wonders of heaven on earth in our lives. As we come to the table now, Lord, I pray that the communion be rich and fresh as we do all that we do because of Jesus and his love for us. Without him, we can do nothing, and through him, we can do all things. We worship you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.